it's our time. We must rise up and no longer disparage. It's our time, church, to honor our heritage. We have a savior. He gave it all on the cross. We stand beside martyrs who counted nothing as loss. They took God's mysteries, opened them up for us. Stephen, John the Baptist, Bonhoeffer, Jan Hus. Surrounded by a cloud of witnesses above, it's now our turn to model his unending love. Our mission is one we cannot confuse, nor muddy up with some trite excuse. You say you're not well-versed, ready, or able. I think Moses even tried to use that fable. The time we have, it's now more urgent. If we should hear, well done, faithful servant. Yeah, church, it's our time. It's our time to confess the ways we're mangled, the sins and selfishness that have us entangled. Lust, greed, and pride, their path leads to the grave. Yet we return to our sins as if we're a slave. Can we survive in this putrid dead sea? I quote Paul, may it never be. So let's cast aside our individual leprosy and begin to leave a biblical legacy. There's a glorious prize awaiting to be won, and the way to win is to start to run. Let's lace them up and fight the good fight, become to the world both salt and light. Our life on earth is merely a vapor. Our chapter must move from pen to paper. So church, let's get to writing because it's our time. It's our time, church. We have what it takes to help the world from its slumber awake. To Jesus, we are his beautiful bride. Whom shall we fear with him on our side? We have each other. We are not alone. It's iron to iron in the combat zone. There's a promise of life full of adventure. As long as we give both talents and treasure, the workers are few, the harvest is plenty, with so many lives running on empty. Scores of people trying to cope, they've come to the end of their proverbial rope. Young eyes are wandering, looking for direction. Make sure we point them to His resurrection. The clock's ticking, we're on our dime. Hey church, rise up! It's our time. I hope you believe that it's our time to have uh, God do something new among us, something new in your life, my life, in the life of the church together. We need, uh, we need newness. We need God to raise us up, to lift us up, to uh, challenge us, to change us. And it's okay to, uh, to pray to be inspired and to pray to be motivated and pray to be changed and and not just for yourself, that's where it should begin, but, but for others around you and others that you can lead and influence. And especially pray for our church as a body that 2013 will be a year in which we glorify God like we have never done before. And which we make a difference like we've never done before. And we need God to come on us in a new way. I feel that strongly. I really need it. You need it. We need it as a church. We don't want this to be just another Sunday every week we come here. Just another week, just another day, just another year. We want this to be a grace-filled, Holy Spirit-filled, power-filled year. Amen? Amen? And it's okay to make some New Year's resolutions. Uh, maybe you've done so already. Probably some of the common ones that, uh, that folks make to uh, stop doing this, to lose this or that. 
Um, I came across something that inspired me a little bit the other day by this, uh, this newspaper columnist named Curtis Silver that, that he thought was good, and it was to do this, to make New Year's resolutions for everyone else. <laughs> you, you like that idea? You might, you might just want to jot down a few today uh, after, after service, or maybe if you're inspired today, just some resolutions that you'd like to see somebody else keep and somebody else do. And uh, he inspired me, and I've got a few of his here, and, and then one that's kind of primarily my own. And uh, here's one that he came up with is, is this. We should stop saying influential when we mean popular. All the celebrities that we, uh, that we tend to call influential, the truth is they're just popular. They're just known. And the influence that, uh, that they have is well, not necessarily the best. And I'm, I'm kind of with him on that. All those people whose faces you see when you're checking out at the grocery store, I don't think that 2013 is the year when they really need to influence your life that much. A second one was this. Quit complaining about stuff you voluntarily use for free. Okay? Quit complaining about how Facebook administrates things when you use it for absolutely free and nobody's holding a gun to your head to make you get on. Okay? There we go. Now, I use Facebook some. I'm mostly the person that just kind of likes stuff and occasionally posts a one-liner. But, um, you know, those, kind, those types of things. The stuff you absolutely use for free and you do so voluntarily. Let, let's try not to whine and complain about this. Uh, this one, I don't know exactly what this means, but I just like the way this sounds. Look in the mirror. You are not a ninja. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even really know where to go. I just like, that's just funny to me, and I don't even know what the background is on that. Here's one that's kind of mostly my own here. Move on from romanticizing vampires and zombies. Okay? <laughs> Can, can we just kind of move on from that? I know a lot of them are good Christians, but, but could, could, could we just kind of move on, move on from that? And how about this? Resolve, that's what you do when you make a resolution. Resolve to be more resolute. Resolve to not flip-flop so much and go back and forth. Resolve to hold to your Convictions, resolve to be more resolute. That's sort of a resolution resolution, isn't it? Okay. Um, and then this last one, I, I really, I really uh, like this. And in fact, I'm going to read some of the words from uh, this columnist, Curtis Silver. And, and his top resolution for other people was to stop speaking in text. Stop speaking in text language. He said, maybe it's because I'm a writer, but when I compose a text message, I rarely use abbreviations for words like you with the letter U, or use emoticons or phrases like LOL, because really, I'm not laughing out loud. I might be smiling a little, but I'm not guffawing. So it really boils my blood when people verbally speak in text. And he says, generally, it's, it's our kids, which doesn't bode well for the progression of language or the ability to properly learn it. 
And he said, I actually had an adult say to me, the adult actually said to me, emoticon smiley face. And the only thing stopping me from publicly slapping her in the face was that she was still making my latte. So, I like that. I like that. A plea for the new year, for this year to be better than the last. I don't think we could find a better, a better plea for that, a better plea for our lives and for our church and for our, our families, for our communities, than the one we find in Romans chapter 12. As Paul's nearing the end of this letter in which he's talked a lot about big, significant concepts, he, he comes close to wrapping up his letter with a lot of, of good, practical, practical, straightforward stuff that's not hard for any of us to understand here today. And I'm just going to read the whole chapter, and you can follow along on your phone or in your Bible or on the screen, wherever it is, Romans chapter 12, and we'll consider this our plea for 2013. He says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God, because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. And just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. 
Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. I don't think that I necessarily need to add anything to that this morning. But because of the overwhelming look of anticipation on your faces, I'm going to. (laughs) Our starting point, where Paul starts out in this part of his letter, our starting point is simply this. Give your body and your mind to God. The place to start 2013, give your body and your mind to God. And remember this, church. Remember, they are connected We tend so often to separate the two. But part of the deal in following Christ is physically showing up. You mean at church? Well, that's not a bad start. It's good to see you here. I hope you're here next week and week after that. But no, not just church. Just physically showing up where Christ calls you to be. The, the phrase, I'm with you in spirit, isn't going to be enough in 2013. You need to present yourself, as it says in another translation, as a living sacrifice to God. Physically. Present, show up in body to be where God has called you to be and who he's called you to be. And keep showing Keep showing up. And this whole deal about surrendering ourselves to God and mind and body, recognize this. Our, on the way to becoming Christ-like and to being more godly and being, living a grace and God-powered, filled life, is, it, it's a process. It's a process. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. The Wright brothers, Orville and Wilbur, that are given credit for kind of being the the pioneers of taking to the air through airplanes. They had that famous flight on the, on the coast of North Carolina in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, where they were up in the air for like 12 seconds, but it really spawned the whole industry and the whole possibilities because they did fly for a while. They went back to their bicycle shop in Dayton, Ohio, and started working on more processes to improve and, and to change and, and to grow in the, in the things of flight. And two years later, after that initial flight on Kitty Hawk, they thought they had come up with, with a, a, the, the kind of machine that was really going to sustain flight and make it. And they took off up in the air and were only up for a few seconds again and then crashed and broke the wings And it was said about them, the Wright brothers have taken flight, but now they really need to learn to fly. 
It was a process, and it took time, and many others until we fly in planes all around. And it's a process for you and me to become all that God wants us to be. Some translations say this, Do not be conformed to this world. For Romans 12, 2. And I'm glad Paul didn't stop there. I'm glad he continued. He didn't just stop at saying, Do not be conformed to this world. But he went on to say, But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. To just tell us to stop doing something isn't always very helpful, is it? We've got to recognize that that just saying to do this and do that, be good, behave, get rid of those habits, change. Just hearing those admonitions isn't enough. I don't know, maybe some of you are kind of like me. I, most of my life, fortunately, the, part of it's the way I was raised and, and just the heritage I have, but I've never really struggled to know the difference, in most cases, between right and wrong. In most cases, I was pretty well able to understand what was right and what was wrong. I knew what I was supposed to do. I just haven't always had the will to do it. So how do we develop the will to do the right and good and godly Christ-like thing? It's by following this process that Paul talks about, by letting our minds be renewed by the power of God and following his will. Paul right here doesn't talk about making a bunch of promises. He doesn't talk about praying some really long prayers. Doesn't talk about filling out some some cards. Although those can be those can be good things. Instead, he says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's by intentionally offering ourselves and giving ourselves to the Lord and say, God, I need you to transform me into the person of character that you want me to be. This is a way of us inviting the Holy Spirit of God into our lives to shape us and mold us. You're not going to be better and more Christ-like and more godly and more effective for him in the world and in the kingdom of God by just gritting your teeth and trying harder this year. This isn't the the position you need to take. It's this. God, here I am. Take me. I'm showing up in body. Now renew my mind, my spirit, to be what you've called me to be. If you don't renew your mind, if you don't, as the translation I read to you earlier says, allow God to change the way you think then all of the commitments and promises that you might make aren't going to be good enough. Ultimately, what determines this is are we allowing the Holy Spirit of God to take over and transform us and renew us and show up every day to say, Lord, here I am. I give myself to you. That's the starting point. Give your body and your mind to the Lord. The second second thing that that Paul talks about here is this, is to use the gifts that God's given you to bless others. And I want to be real clear that when you you look at these verses, particularly where he starts naming a a few specific things in verse 6 through 8, this is not an exhaustive list. 
And any place else in the New Testament where Paul or Peter or anyone else is writing to, to Christians and to churches and, and starts listing ways to serve and things to do, it's not an exhaustive list. There's lots of ways to serve. There's lots of ways to, lots of different gifts and abilities that God has given us to use. But it's all about the spirit of offering ourselves and allowing God to let those things grow and to use them. Paul's concentrating on the spirit in which our gifts and our abilities are exercised. And he's telling us, let the full grace of God work through you. If you've got any ability to do anything, any capability and opportunity to do anything for others, to bless them, let God use you to do that. And in order for that to happen, we've got to continually have this process going on of God renewing our minds. And part of renewing our minds is renewing our attitudes. The biggest barrier to us carrying out this admonition to serve and to bless others and use our gifts for the glory of God, the biggest barrier to that is usually our own attitudes. Worried about recognition. If I do this, is anybody going to notice? And are they going to say anything nice to me about it? Are they going to reciprocate? Are they going to give back? Are they going to do this for me if I do this? We're not called to complain about the way others serve or don't serve or grumble about the lack of recognition we might get for what God's called us and enabled us to do. Let me just ask you this. What if Jesus, what if Jesus had said, or what if he were to even continue to speak today when you call out to him and said, that's it. That's it. There's no more grace from me until I get what I want from you. What if that was Christ's attitude? Where would we be? Instead, he came not to be served, but to serve and give his life away. But I will remind you this, the connection here. The only way we're going to be able to do this, the only way you're going to be able to have the attitude that I'm here to bless others and use everything that God has given you to do that, the only way you're going to be able to do that, the only way I'm going to be able to do that is if we allow the Holy Spirit to renew our minds and the way we think and we show up giving our bodies and minds to him. And then I love this next section of, of Paul's letter here where he just line by line just gives straightforward direction of, of things we ought to be about. It could kind of be summed up this way. Love, hate, honor, and pray. Love, hate, honor and pray. Listen again to verses 9 through 13. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. And when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. I'm not talking out of another part of my body, am I? It's like, it's like coming. Some, uh, if you listen to the scanner and you can translate to that, know what it means. Respond to the need as necessary. 
Love, hate, honor, and pray. I love this. Our translation that we're looking at here, the New Living, says, don't just pretend to love others. Another translation says, love without hypocrisy. Love without hypocrisy. This is talking about going beyond being polite. And politeness is good, and our society's suffering from a lack of it. But this is, this is going beyond politeness. This is demanding. If you're going to really love others and not just pretend to do it, not just talk about it, if you're really going to do it, if you're really going to love, it's going to cost you time and money and personal involvement. You're going to have to show up if you're really going to love others. And then he says, hate. And you're like, I get to hate something? I get to hate in 2013? Yeah. Hate what is wrong. Don't mess around with it. Don't play with it. Don't wink at it. Don't shrug at it. Hate what is wrong and evil, the word says. Hate the attitudes, the actions, the philosophies that destroy people, that destroy families, that destroy churches, that destroy communities. Hate those things. Hate the actions, the attitudes, the philosophies that destroy people, families, churches, communities. Not hating the people, not hating the families, not hating the church, not hating the community. Hate the things that destroy those things. When you look around here today, you see your friends, your wife, your husband, your, your kids, your neighbors, brothers and sisters in Christ. The things that the enemy wants to use to destroy us, we should hate those things. We shouldn't mess around with them. We shouldn't dance with them. We shouldn't mess around. Hate it. I just gave you permission to hate something in 2013. Not somebody, but some things. And then honor. Honor. Not just... Say nice things, not just do nice things, but take delight, he says, in honoring each other. Not, not to get something back, some honor for ourselves, not doing something for our boss in order to just get a promotion, not just doing something in order to get somebody to give us a plaque or name something after us, but honor other people because they, every one of them, is created in God's image. take delight in it what does that mean how do you do that does that mean we give them plaques and titles and positions no it means you think of others when you make decisions and in fact you put others first before yourself you got to remember how Paul talks to us about how we ought to evaluate ourselves and one another he says it in verse 3. I'm going to remind you of that verse back earlier. He said, he said this, Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. 
measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. And in fact, before that, he said, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. He didn't say, don't think, he didn't say, think badly of yourself. He didn't say, put yourself down. He just said, listen, don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation and let your evaluation of yourself be according to the faith that God has given you and given us. He says to pray. Oh, pastor, I pray. I pray before I eat. Um, I pray for my kids. Um, I pray for light traffic when when I'm running late to work Uh, I pray verse 14 listen to what he says to pray for bless those who persecute you don't curse them pray that God will bless them he's challenging us by the renewing of our minds through the spirit of God to pray for the most difficult people in our lives the people that cause you the most struggle the most difficulty make it the hardest on you and maybe they even do it intentionally because of your faith and because of your desire to to know and serve God and to do what he's called you to do maybe they even do it intentionally because of that but whoever the most difficult people are in your life instead of cursing them pray for them And how do you pray? Well, I pray that they'll straighten up. I pray that they'll do what I want them to do. I pray that they'll come crawling back to me and say, I am so sorry. You're the most wonderful person in the world. I should have never. No, he says, pray that God will bless them. You're not going to be able to do that unless you surrender your mind to the Lord and ask him, to renew it day by day. But that can happen. And then look at verses 15 and 16 again with me, just quickly. I'm not even going to say that much about them. I just wanted you to hear them again. Be happy with those who are happy. Another translation says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Sometimes that may be one of the biggest challenges we have. Because if it's not going well for us, we want it to not go so well for others. But be happy with those who are happy and then weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And then this one that we can all say amen to with somebody in mind. And don't think you know it all. And in the final section of this this chapter, Paul reminds us of this very important thing. Leave the payback to God. And it's almost like he says, are are we really clear on this? Have I made myself clear? Leave the payback to God. Instead, he says this, Verse 20, let's hear it again. Instead of taking revenge, instead of paying back, instead do this. 
If your enemies are hungry, what do you do? Feed them. If they're thirsty, what should you do? Give them something to drink. And in doing this, you'll heap burning coals of shame on their heads. If you want something to bring about the right attitude and the right mind and the right actions of people that have done you wrong, this is what you do. If they're hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And in so doing, you can be somebody who conquers evil by doing good. You can be a good conqueror, which is the kind of conqueror that our Lord Jesus Christ is, a conqueror who comes in love and in peace and grace, who conquers evil with the power of good. Napoleon Bonaparte who's pretty well known in history, so much so that, that if you're small of stature like he was and, and you kind of have an, an attitude of uh, you're going to show everybody that you're bigger than your physical stature would suggest, then it's, it is often said you have Napoleon syndrome. So he's not necessarily always thought of that well in history. Napoleon Bonaparte was a little French general who, who sought in the 1800s to try and take over and dominate all of Europe. He had a measure of success, but as Abba sang so wonderfully, Napoleon was defeated at Waterloo. And some of you just completely missed that, have no idea who Abba was. Uh, let's see, what Abba, dancing queen. There you go, a little, little better reference. Napoleon found it, uh, found it futile to try and conquer the world. And he wrote this. He said, Alexander, referring to Alexander the Great, Caesar, referring to Julius Caesar, and Hannibal, the great uh, North African general and conqueror who came up into Europe with his, with his troops led by elephants. He said, they conquered the world, but they had no friends. And then Napoleon wrote this. He said, Jesus founded his empire on love. And at this hour, millions would die for him. Because he has won the hearts of men. Has he won your heart? Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? Just think and... Allow the Lord to speak to you. And these quiet moments early in this new year, let me ask you this question. Do you want to join me in offering your body as a living sacrifice? God are you ready to, to show up physically and present yourself to the Lord and allow him to guide where you go let me ask you this question
Do you want to be transformed by the renewing of your mind? To the point where you will know what the will of God is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do you want God to change the way you think? And transform you into the person that he can use to bless others. To transform you into the person who loves people deeply. Beyond words. A person who seeks to honor others and put them first and The person that God can reveal so clearly the, the things that destroy, would destroy you and destroy those you love. And teaches you to not mess around with those things, but to hate them. Not the people, but the destructive, evil things. Do you want to be the person that's so transformed as you offer yourself and surrender to the Lord that, that he allows you to be an agent of change and goodness in the life of somebody who's done you wrong to the point that by enabling of his spirit and his grace you can pray that that person will be blessed and you'll just leave all the, all the payback to the Lord Are you ready to offer yourself? Mind, body, soul, and spirit. To be a person who serves well and grows in grace. Through Christ Jesus. If you are, would you make this confession with me? Lord, I need you. Would you just, if you're willing to make that confession, would you just say it out loud? Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you not just to do things for me and not just to fix things for me, but Lord, I need you so that I might become this person whose body and mind is surrendered to you and you then use me to bless others and change the world for your sake. Would you make that confession again? Lord, I need